If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. And there's a man right here with his baseball cap turned backwards and he's got a sign that says, play black, red, yellow. You Evanston pussy. Does that qualify me to get into the Me Too movement at this point? That's fucked up. I said, be good to the women and also your fellow man. Which part of that didn't you hear? You fucking fuckwad. Wait, is that, I don't know if that's the right way to say it. You, uh, you, um, educationally challenged fuckwad. Uh, we played it last time, you fucking idiot, two years ago. Where the fuck were you? And away. We go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. Now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. As we continue on, it's still Wrigley Month, only for two more weeks as we dive into the last two shows that have happened in the last year that shows have happened, 2018. You know, we're, we've done a real lot of things that have been so so fun this month. And, uh, you know, it, we're, we're getting down to the last bit of it. So it's it's, again, it's a little bit sentimental that we're... We have been doing all this, and it's been a lot of fun, but, you know, it's almost like we don't want this to end. But here we are. We got two more left. We're going to make the most of it. Randy Sobel over here. John Furr over there. Hello. And, uh, John, it's been a big month. How, how have you enjoyed these these shows and working on them? Oh, it's, it's, it's been amazing, man. We've gotten to talk to some incredible people, gotten some great insights, gotten some great stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I, I'm going to be sad when it's over. Yeah, and, you know, this is, I think we had been working on things like this for a long time and figuring out how we can get people on the show uh, and just talk about whatever because it's hard when it's not like a big event like this. I think making this feel big has just kind of taken this to a new level and and I, I... 
just I'm just amazed at at you guys and your response to it because so many people have gotten in touch with us and said how much they've really appreciated the work that we've done and uh uh we wouldn't have put this together if you guys didn't want stuff like this so we thank you guys for really you know pushing us to to you know basically broaden our horizons a little bit and uh and you know come up with interesting topics and and interesting people to bring on for just us to share with you guys yeah i'm really looking forward to that episode where we get to tell the stories and you know get to kind of flesh it out even more you know absolutely that is next week uh if you still want to write into us you can by this time it's probably going to be recorded but there is a chance that we could do a second recording and a couple of extra stories that missed the first cut and i know a lot of people it's whenever the deadline comes in and that's when you know that that's when they come in and and email it's always at the last minute so let this be the final warning on this if you do have a story that you want to share with us live on four legs podcast at gmail.com yeah send them in i mean and thanks to everyone who's who's sent them in already we we can't wait yeah we we've been looking over them they're fantastic yeah we're gonna hear some really wild stuff from just people's experience either inside or outside the venue or uh you know people that have been mentioned during the show and you know kind of have almost like a history now where you know some of the people just by uh the 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 gag or or what have you we'll have some of those stories so it'll be fun to go back on and and kind of tie tie a bow on on some of those things and and uh you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be great. So, uh, that'll be next week. That'll be next Tuesday that that episode comes out before our Wrigley night Two 2018 episode. So what we did for the 2018 shows, we wanted to change it up a little bit. And, uh, so we decided since a lot of our patrons had been involved and, and, uh, wanted to be involved with the show that haven't gotten a chance to in a while, we wanted to try and get some of them on to, you know, all at the same time and get, get them to talking about the show. So we had three of our patrons on and, uh, let's introduce them to you before we get into the discussion. My name is Curtis. I'm from Eastern Iowa. My name is Ryan. I, uh, I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, my name is Bradley. I live in, uh, Portage, Indiana, right outside of uh, Chicago. Why don't we get right into their stories? So, you know, right off the bat, we just kind of asked them. Uh, two of them had been to the prior Wrigley shows, all three of them, and just their experience going back and if they were still excited about the ballpark shows. And then uh, Ryan had not been to a Wrigley show before, so just getting his excitement for it. So let's uh, let's bring into that and uh, yeah, let's 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 hear from the horse's mouth. Like night one for me was like me and my buddy, we had tickets to night two, 10 club tickets. And, you know, it was a lead up to the show that we're just watching StubHub. So it's like, you know, we're spending the money for it and all this and that. Um, We finally just pulled the trigger, paid probably too much money. But, you know, a couple of years later, you don't even think about that. So it was worth it. Um, So night one, I just I don't know if if you kind of go into it, it's like, for me, it was a, my first stadium show, and it's like you kind of got you relaxed. It wasn't the show you were originally going to like build your trip around. So, had was, you ever been to Wrigley before? I have um, years ago, like years ago. Um, so I did see a Cubs game, but I barely remember it. Okay. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so that was the vibe going in was just uh, night one was like, we're going to hang in the back. We're going to listen to Pearl Jam, watch from afar. And it's like, um, it's just going to probably be a really nice show. And that's what it was. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I thought it was, um, you know, it, it was a great time. It was a, a cool way to end, you know, because since it was the end of the tour, it was kind of like the end of the summer. It was a nice, you know, kind of good way to end the whole year, really. I mean, even though it was still, um, you know, summertime, it just kind of felt like the ending of the year there with uh, with everything that had gone on earlier in the year and everything. And um, so, so yeah, it was, it was good. And uh, personally, I liked 13 a little bit better. Just It holds a little bit special place in my heart a little more. But Now, um, do you like the experience of 13 better? Do you like the set list of 13 better? Because that's a, a totally different concept right there. Right. I think the experience is what made it so cool in 13. Yeah. I mean, the set list was still good. Um, it, it definitely wasn't anything to you know sneeze at or whatever. But um, um, yeah, I don't know what you guys had mentioned about like the set list that could have been and right. seeing what was on the set list. seems like every show I go to and I, when I see the written set list afterwards, they've crossed off a song that was that I've never <laughs> seen or that I really was hoping to see or something. But uh, yeah, of course, and that's yeah, exactly. And that that 13 show was no different. But um, but 16 was yeah. I mean, like I think that one was. Um, it's just like a, a better, like, yes, definitely the better set. They sounded better. Everything was just, you know, just, it was just a better show altogether. But like I said, 13 had a kind of a special place in my heart. It was the first time I had pit seats for a show. Um, we didn't try to get super close. We just, we figured if we're in the pit, we're close enough. Um, and, um, and then obviously everybody knows about the rain and everything, which kind of screwed everything up for the pit. But, uh, luckily we weren't standing outside all day. We got there, you know. I don't know, a couple hours before the show and still got a decent spot and then had to leave and come back. So we still had a decent spot for the show. And, you know, like I said, it's, I, I still think that's probably my favorite, but um, just on the set list and just the sound, like just, just listening to the boots, the uh, second show of 16 would be my favorite. Yeah. Uh, night two, 2016, number one with a bullet. I don't think there's really uh, much debate there at all. <laughs> Certainly for me, um, or on paper and on the boots that way too. We in 2018 we uh, we went to Seattle and went to both of those shows and that was uh, very cool to um, make the grunge pilgrimage. And those two are very uh, special, kind of in their own different way. Um, but <laughs> so much that I could think of, like Wrigley, is definitely mine home ballpark as someone from Iowa and probably 30, 40 ball games I've been to there. Not a ton, ton, but you know, one or two. Yeah. Yeah. One or two every year since I was a kid. Um, The, the most striking thing was I'd seats in the 200 level uh, at Wrigley night one. And they were substantially closer than my 100 level seats at Safeco. (laughs) (laughs) and older ballparks right yeah um and it was definitely like uh tale of two ballparks right and so like uh maybe top five certainly top 10 like newest fanciest ballpark versus like uh one of the two like classic dumpy maybe maybe not uh old school ballparks and just as the crow flies from me to the band being kind of felt like half as close in the 200 seats, really. Um, so yeah, that was cool. I'd, uh, 
the contrast of those two sets of two shows was probably the most uh, striking thing for me, certainly for night one. All right, so we'll be hearing from them, you know, throughout the episode when there's big moments, we'll we'll cut back to a clip from uh from that little discussion that we had and uh we'll we'll do that two or three times during the episode. So, we should get everybody's voices in there. And before we get into talking about the full show, let's uh mention Patreon to you guys because you guys are just again coming in and just helping out the show in droves here. And we got more patrons this week. Uh, thank you to Kirk Walton and Dan Osborne, AKA Pawpaw. Pawpaw has been around for a bit and he's, you know, been kind of like, he was part of one of the original fantasy league teams. So he's supported the show from the start. And Kirk is, is a, is a newcomer to the show and he's very excited. Uh, uh, love the Wrigley series and stuff like that. So he's already got a show that he's picked and, uh, yeah, we, we did the mask and the masks are already sent out and, uh, we're, we just keep chugging along over there. Anything special that we got going on soon? Yeah, we're going to have, uh, our next bridge school episode coming up night two of 1999, which was fantastic. Uh, some really special moments in that show. Uh, we've got an evolution tournament going on right now, I believe. I we think it's finished by to, now. To picking the so we, we we should have the the we don't know at this point, but uh, we kind of have the next. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a route. Is that that kind of blowout? Yeah, but we'll uh, we'll have another evolution episode coming out pretty soon, and then yeah, just on, onwards and onwards. You know, we we want to keep putting out great content. Like we always say. The, the more you guys, you know, put in and the more people join up, it just makes us want to do more and more. So thank, thanks to them so much. Thanks, Kirk. And uh, thanks, Dan. Absolutely. And we have a couple of patrons that haven't wrote into us, uh, you know, given us their mailing address. If, if that's one of you, then send us your mailing address. We'll get a mask and a sticker out to you. And uh, I don't know how many we're going to have left. We might have one or two left. So we're going to save that for whoever the next patrons are. So if you're listening to this and you want to become a patron and you want to take advantage of our, our little giveaway, head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs or search for live on four legs on the app. And, uh, hopefully we will have at least one or two masks left over and we'll be able to, to send them over to you. So that's a a nice little benefit of all that. All right. Why don't we dive into the away show from 2018 here? Um, I think we talked about it a little bit in that forum, that huge Seattle night two show that was just mind blowing. And and there was really nothing that was going to top it for the rest of the year. But um, yeah, that's, that's a lot to live up to though. You know, these shows, especially coming off of the previous Wrigley shows in in 2016, like it it feels like they're going to have to do a lot more in order for these shows to stand out. Yeah. It's interesting. We can talk about that. Do you think they kind of set themselves up for a letdown, having this come after the Seattle shows? Like, after, um, you know, Seattle seems like it would be the perfect way to end. Like, that that night, too, especially. You mentioned it. It's a fantastic set list, fantastic show, tons of great moments. Do you think they kind of, like, maybe, yeah, just kind of should have ended the tour a little early, maybe thrown these shows ahead of those? Well, yes and no. I think from their perspective – that they have to be thinking some of the big songs, some of the special songs they can't go back to at these shows. They mentioned at this one, some guy has a black, red, yellow sign in the crowd. And it says, you weren't here last time. And we played it last time. You idiot. Like, you know, they're not going to go back to stuff like that. So they have to kind of pick around and make it 
more unique than the other shows. Uh, you know, you have to assume that some people will be coming to Wrigley for the first time, but also, you know, the Chicago people that have been to all three so far, you got to give them something different as well. And, and really it's, it's a lot to come off of that big Seattle show, the home show that was a big party at the end with, with all the participants from mud honey and Soundgarden, and coming off of, of the 2016 shows, like, those were massive and I don't I don't know if anything would have beat those shows. So maybe they're just thinking to themselves like let's just try whatever we can. We open up the show with Wash because we haven't played Wash at Wrigley before and you know maybe there's rain in the for- forecast for the next couple days and maybe that's a hint hint to that. But uh yeah, like do a couple of different things that make these if not stand out from the Wrigley shows, at least give the people that have only gone to the Wrigley shows something a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like they kind of set themselves up for a for a letdown, and you know we'll see how it unfolds. We'll we'll talk about it, talk our way through it, and see see what we think. But it it would have been so hard to keep up that same energy from from that night to Seattle from 2016. Those epic shows and yeah yeah just it's it seems like they were there was it was it would have been hard to keep keep that going for these yeah and that missoula show i think was a little it was a little off like there were some things that i mm. think they got off to some false starts in the show and and uh the encore was kind of jumbled together instead of them going from encore one into encore two and pausing i think they were just running out of time and they were trying to get through 30 um but yeah, like it, it was a lot. It was a lot to to try and top those home shows. So I don't think they did, but doesn't mean they put together horrible performances at all. This the show kind of finds its groove somewhere, but there are some things that we can talk about that are a little a little suspect. But we start at the top, and that's with Wash, like I mentioned before. And I just. I love Stone strumming on this. Uh, it has sort of a janky sound to it, almost like he's playing with an older guitar with looser strings. And Ed's got the line, "This city is so fucking pretty." Uh, it's it's got a nice little groove. I think this and then "Elderly Woman" two songs later have a very similar groove to it, where it's kind of it's paced out a little bit instead of you know playing it extremely fast or you know just trying to get through the song or making a sing along. Like these feel real grooved and real real nicely paced. I thought it was real done with both these versions. Yeah, the openings of these Wrigley shows are always great. They they kind of do it differently than they do at an arena or even if they used to do it. They kind of extend it. They kind of like guide you into it. And yeah, Wash is a fantastic way to, to tie the whole everything back together back to, you know, giving the nod back to 2013. Like, please don't let it rain today. <laughs> Low light, always great in that number two spot. And then, yeah, Small Town to get the crowd going after... You know, Little Light's not an obscure song, but it's not a hit. So the small town gets everybody going at number three. It's fantastic. Crowd, crowd sounds great on it. It really does, yeah. Once uh, these these 2018 bootlegs, the fan mix is just fantastic. Uh, Brett Eliason gets the credit for all that. But um, you hear, especially on Elderly Woman, you hear that crowd during, you know, the... Uh, those parts where they're holding out the... My God, it's been so long, like... It's a, it's such a it's great participation on this, and they picked it up perfectly. Uh, you know, even Low Light has some great moments too. Like, can't discount 
we always talk about the end of the song where Ed holds out that last note and it just like man it feels like he's singing for miles and miles and miles over there yeah it always gets a big roar from the crowd yeah yeah for sure yeah uh, yeah, can't complain about this opener at all. Wash, low light, elderly woman, you know, some poppy stuff. You get a, a little bit of a rare one with Wash, and, you know, low light's been played every year at the Wrigley shows now, but it's kind of become sort of that setless staple where you can kind of expect it, even though it's it's not a hit. It's uh, it's a good utility player in that in that retrospect. But here's the first, like, interesting point that I want to bring bring up from the show because Breaker Fall comes out of that and the sound off of Breaker Fall is just it's down tuned and they hadn't played Breaker Fall in a while before the show and it just it doesn't have that punch that Breaker Fall usually does sounds really dark and like the it doesn't have that like that bright you know like kind of jumping around it it just i don't know it it sounds like what bands like the rolling stones would do for mick jagger to sing on satisfaction or something like that like it's completely down so he can go down to that level and some of these songs early in the set have that i'm not a huge fan of what yeah, it just sounded kind of thin. Like it, we we talked about that Pink Pop 2000 show a few weeks ago, where it was so great and so powerful. And this just had is the antithesis of that. It didn't have any of that. It, yeah, it it lost me from the beginning. Like you're like, wait, what song is this? It was really it tough. To did, it, it didn't sound like it. And yeah, the the guitar thing is fine. Like I I don't mind when they when they down tune. You know, for his voice, because his voice is what it is. He's he's in his fifties. He has to do what he has to do, and you know they still want to play all these songs. You know, they they don't want to have to drop songs from their repertoire completely. But there's a way to do it that still works and still sounds good. And this is not that. Yeah, it, it just it, it was it was flat. I think you know if you want to do that in a re- in an arena, I think that's okay, and you're sort of playing around with things, but the ballpark shows where you have so many songs in your repertoire that are just 100% home runs, you know, not no pun intended, but they're absolutely going to knock it out of the park songs like the next three that you can utilize. Uh, maybe don't take a chance. Was this the first binaural song that had been played at Wrigley? No, because Light Years was played. Um, I think that was the only one at that first in uh, 16. I don't think there was anything from 13. Okay. Though. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so from night two either, so. No. Yeah, so I, just to get binaural 
in any of of the yeah. more recent years yeah. is is special. So, uh, all right, a stretch of corduroy, hail, hail, and animal, and corduroy is really it starts to get people going. It has that great call and response that really developed in Wrigley, like we talked about in 2013. But there's a little bit of an extra jam before they do it. It's again, crowd is mixed so well on the boot. It sounds like you know there might be 35,000 people, 45,000 people. It sounds like there's 100,000. Sounds like there's so many people in that crowd. Oh yeah, and, and corduroy is the song now. I mean, it, it has been for a while, and you, you you can have your porches and your rearview mirrors and your lives and all that, but corduroy is the song. It, it's their number one live song, I think, at this point. Yeah, for sure. I think you know you have to expect that coming into a show, and and it, it's kind of in this sort of even flow territory where it's a bit of a shock when they don't play it live. Yeah, exactly. You, you kind of want it, and you kind of it's it's. I mean. To, to use a trope, it's it's really the first thing that makes you feel like you're at a Pearl Jam show, you know? To me, at least, it gets it gets you going, and it, and it kind of needs to be part of that top five to make it feel like you're really starting off on the right foot, and it's a great version of Corduroy. It, uh, you know, I think they reference the World Series winning this. Uh, he says there's a few things... Uh, a few things that have changed, something something along those lines in the lyrics. Did you catch that? Yep, yep. yep. So, you know, it's it's cool. You know, it, it's and it's a seven minute epic, and you don't get that from Corduroy. Yeah, it's interesting too, where they sandwiched the binaural song in between the two huge crowd pleasing songs earlier. It's almost like they did it on purpose. Like we'll get you going and then we're gonna sneak this one in here we're not sure if you know it but we right. want to play it and then just in case we'll we'll get you right back after yeah that's right. an interesting way they they structured that how'd you feel about animal and hell hell on the show i thought um, they were yeah a misstep slow hell hell i thought was hell hell is cool it, it's it's hard for me to criticize that one because i love it so much but this is not not a top version of it and an animal i thought was played far far too slow and normally that would be okay it would give it a chance to breathe and give it a chance to kind of go back to the way it was but it it was ed was off like the guitars were off it 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 didn't sound tight yeah no i i i think some something something was off where somebody wasn't hearing uh somebody else on the monitor and and sometimes there's a tell because after animal ed kind of goes into an over an overly long speech a little bit and maybe that's sort of his okay let's buy some time here could Just be to, yeah, to get that's, some that's things a fixed. good point yeah. because a lot of people yeah. thought that at, at the the first Fenway show in 2018 I believe it was after elderly woman like elderly woman was a complete mess that night and Ed spent five minutes talking about Bono and talking about the word fuck and using it as a verb and an adjective and it was just like all right let's let's get to let's get to it here but you know they they figured it out and they would they would go on and figure it out at this show too but uh a little bit of a misstep and you know again we've heard better versions of hail hail and animal before and i think it's just because these songs are so great live that when you get ones that are a little bit of a step backwards you're not not what you want not what you expect but again holding those songs in very high high regard uh, all right, so this is where Ed does address the crowd for the first time and says it's unbelievable to look back on hollowed ground and, and not just Wrigley and Chicago, but just Chicago. So you don't have to to ask, are you ready? Because it's it 
it's the city of Chicago and it's so hot out there. You can't imagine how all of the players feel wearing all that gear and says he isn't wearing underwear and it's still hot. And he just keeps talking a little bit before getting into the next one. And he says, they're going to play some that they don't usually play. And that uh, starts with the lightning bolt opening track getaway here. Another down tuned song and another song that's just not exactly sounding like how we like it to sound. Yeah, it sounded to me like they maybe, because, you know, they have all these techs that come out and bring the guitars and switch them out and everything. It almost sounded like they had the wrong tuned guitars. Like, it sounds just wrong. Like, this and the, and the next one, too, I thought were just, it's just something was, something was wrong. Like, it, 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 I can't chalk it up to a down tune or something it sounded like something went wrong with like some tech brought out the wrong guitar something was in the wrong tuning i i i don't know why they didn't just stop and and fix it yeah it was certainly something was amiss for sure and um you know getaway is not a song that they've ever played in standard tuning or at least the original album tuning wise um you know they've they've always kind of not struggled but you know it's always been a challenge to find the song's voice and here it didn't really do them any favors and uh i mean it's not as bad as the next one but they at least get through it and mike has a pretty good solo so you know outside of some you know unconventional sound there and it sounding a little off at least at least it's it's you know it's at least one if you haven't seen it before you can just check it that's that's kind of how I feel about the song at this point. But, uh, yeah, and it's and it's easy for us to go back now, and then we have the bootleg, and everything sounds right. great, and we can go back and nitpick that this sounds. But if you're there and you're in the moment, you might not have even noticed. You know, for sure, the people yeah. people sitting in the upper deck were probably not even aware. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure people sitting in the upper deck probably have no idea what song this is because they're all <laughs> still listening to verses. <laughs> Give them some credit. There might be some diehards up there. Yeah, I know, but you know, I'm just I'm just joking around with them. Uh, Ed talks again and mentions that the Foo Fighters played there. I think it was in 2017 that the Foo Fighters played there, and they had an issue about men being disrespectful to women in the crowd, and and you know, I guess just uh, getting overly drunk and having some issues there. And he, it's kind of like the Lucan incident. So he's really just kind of mentioning to people, just, you know, men look out for one another and, and be safe and, and, you know, don't, uh, don't harass the women. And that should be a perfect transition into the next song. But the next song is so terribly performed that I can't even give it that credit. the way that it's originally sounded. And 
just to get it down to, and like, I can't even think of how that's supposed to sound in, in my head, that beginning, because that's such, that elongated bump, 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 like, that's, oh, it's so prominent, it's so prevalent that it shouldn't be played any other way, and I don't know why they did that, like, if they had those same guitars that they were playing on, on Getaway with, then maybe it was just a mistake, but it sounded really awful. Yeah, and, and I love this song. I know this is not not one of your favorites, but oh, I know I, I like leaving here. It's, it's Matt that doesn't like. Okay, um, but yeah, it it usually it fits in that part where they played at the end, and we'll we'll bring out Sleater Kinney or we'll bring out whoever was opening up to 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 sing on it. And it becomes a party, and it needs to be in that part of the show where it's it becomes a party and everybody's singing along and the tambourines and. This is just a weird spot for it, and like you said, the, again, the guitars just sound wrong. It sounds bad, and yeah, this is this is probably the the low light of the show, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and I, I look, I get that some songs Ed just needs to save his voice for to keep for the rest of the show. This is only song number what nine or so, so I, I get you know after the London stuff, they're being extra careful. But if if you're gonna do discredit to the song just leave it off don't play it and I, I, I realize why they did it and they did it for a reason but like you said this is this is an end of the set kind of song this is a party song middle of the set even even sounding like this it just doesn't work it really yeah, yeah and, and again three covers in the main set that's just it's just strange yeah yeah I agree yeah just spread it out just a little I, I see leaving here as being one because they had recorded it before and put it on Lost Dogs that it is kind of more theirs than not. But again, I, yeah, too many covers. We've talked about that before. So yeah, it'll yeah. be another theme going forward. Uh, present tense is really, for me, where the show really starts to feel like a show. It really you get sort of the the stuff that is kind of questionable out of the way all the downtune stuff and and stuff that doesn't sound right is 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 gone and present tense is really the the thing that gets you into the rest of the show and i think a lot of things sound really good after that yeah i agree yeah they they got everything squared away where the the right guitars came back and yeah present tense sounds great
now means to the uh, city of Chicago with uh, with the Last Dance, Thirty for Thirty, like that. To see that it's been played a couple times at Wrigley in hindsight is pretty important, and you'd have to think if they would go back. And I know we mentioned it on uh, the Rob Bleatstein episode yesterday that you know maybe they would have played it, played Wrigley in 2020. They were, there were rumors about a Chicago show that uh, mm-hmm. present tense would absolutely 100% be part of that set. Yeah, I'd like to, I mean, this is one or two. I'd like to, to see it get a spot in maybe an encore two or a late encore one, you know? Yeah. Give it a, give it a chance to shine. Yeah, I, I think actually Fenway that year, I think they, they played it in the first encore. It was great. Yeah. I, I yeah. really love that version. So, yeah, great version. Really, really powerful. You know how that bridge goes and everything, you know, once it, once it revs up, I think it's a really good progression that gets you into even flow. But before that, Ed kind of mentions you know he's looking at the front and points out the guy that we mentioned before that has the black red yellow sign and it says play black red yellow you evanston pussy and he gets kind of it sounds like he's legit kind of pissed off at this guy because not only like did he call him a pussy but literally the last show that they played in the same venue they played one of their rare songs they're not going to go back to that that right they don't do come on people know better than that especially if you're asking for one of their more rare songs you know better than that to to ask for something like that yeah put in a sweet lou or something you know sure give us something they haven't done yet but yeah this is this is a misstep and he yeah he does maybe it goes a little overboard getting onto the guy but yeah he's he's frustrated yeah he calls him a fucking fuckwad and then he says sorry you educationally challenged fuckwad uh, but yeah, he, he's right. He, he kind of, he kind of bags on him a little bit and, you know, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's just the moment and I guess it's just what he's feeling, but it, it's a, it's a cool exchange and, you know, Ed just kind of rips into him and goes into even flow and then they rip into that. So is it, is it crazy in even flow that you listen to so many versions and you can tell the moment that Mike is playing behind his back now? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, you know, it's, you it's not that hard tell. to do, guys. It's it's not that hard to play behind your back. He's he's showy though. Sometimes he yeah, he yeah wants, it looks it looks great up on that stage. Sure, it sure does. But look, with his talent and everything that he can do, like that's that's nothing. That's that's a baby toy for him. So, uh, right. but yeah, look, another another great version of Even Flow. People might have left to go to the bathroom, but screw them. You know always always stick around for the song that gets two of the most talented members of the band their their biggest spotlights and biggest moments it, it's fantastic all the time yep and this is again that middle of the set is where mccready gets his moment and present tense and even flow back to back is perfect absolutely so ed gives a little bit of props to both mike and matt during this and does mention soundgarden before going into this next song so uh here's where we're going to th- toss it back to our panel and talk a little bit about this version of missing so they had played this at seattle i believe it was the second night in seattle and it sounded fantastic and i think a lot of people didn't really know what it was from the pontier demos and um you know i think after hearing that version realizing that it was a tribute to chris they you know a lot of people attach themselves to it and, and a week later and it's back and it's really a special performance again. So let's let's go back to our panel and let's hear what they had to say about 
hearing this this one at the show. Probably listened to the Pontier tape ten times between when I got home from Seattle and went over to Chicago. Um, uh, just extremely special. Very, very cool. Um, I love the no real banter about it or really even acknowledging it. It's just kind of like we're, we get in and get out. We're going to acknowledge Chris. This is not something we're going to talk about or say his name or anything. And God, both of these are really, really special. So, so, so cool. Um, yeah, when, when I heard it, when they started it, I did not recognize it at first. I had heard the song because I have the deluxe edition of the single soundtrack or whatever, but I just didn't recognize it. But as soon as they started getting into it, I, I had remembered seeing it on set list in the Seattle shows. I hadn't gone back and listened or watched, uh, so I didn't really um, like know to expect it kind of. Or I should say I didn't know what it sounded like, but knowing that it had made a set list a few weeks prior, once they kind of started getting into it, I was like, oh, right, this is that the song, the missing song or whatever. And then I got, I don't say I got into it more, but, you know, I, and then, and then of course, um, I did the same thing where after the show, I went back and listened to it several times because uh, uh, I liked it so much. Yeah, for me, similar. It was, I could, I could tell it was a cover, and I think I remember trying to place it, but I couldn't remember, or I couldn't figure out what it was during the, during the performance. Were any of you guys at any of the Temple of the Dog shows in 2016? No. Unfortunately, I was not. Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad I went because I almost didn't. Um, but Missing was in the set, and I can't remember if it was like kind of middle of the encore or just middle of the set somewhere. They played Missing, and what's funny about it is it outside of all the stuff they did, I mean, they did like war pigs and Achilles last stand. And obviously all 10 of the temple songs and all of uh, the mother love bone songs that they did stargazer and uh, uh, um, star dog Cha- champion and all those great songs. Um, oh, and, and river deceit too. Like <laughs> there's, it, it just kind of fell through the cracks and I, 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 I sort of forgot about it when they played it in, in Seattle and, and I didn't even really recognize it. It's kind of funny that it really feels like it had more impact when Pearl Jam played it than with Temple. Strong, strongly agreed. Um, I don't think Chris finished that song and I think maybe Ed did. I think the the vocal on it and just... The melody and I, I think this is a completed song and certainly not being there, but seeing it on YouTube uh, from those temple shows that doesn't feel like a finished song, you know, and what a cool, uh, like weird, weird gift, cool moment that they like shared this thing. Um, it's pretty, pretty emotional, pretty intense. Um, and yeah, I really like watching those shows even in 16 and 17, like what, what is this? And I watched several of these on YouTube and still didn't catch it when I was in Seattle, even after having seen it several times. So it's quite different. I think it's really special that they could kind of complete it together. Um, very, very, very high on my Pearl Jam moments. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. 
this is fantastic. Look, I think I think the guys had it right. It was an emotional moment, and uh, it, it might be one that going into that Seattle show, maybe not a lot of people would have known it, but I, I listened to it a ton after that show, and uh, you know, they like I said, they played it at the Temple of the Dog show, and it kind of got passed by, and I didn't really recognize it after that, but Ed really, really pulls it together, and, and I think Curtis said Ed makes it feel like it's a finished song. Yeah, and it, it's cool too, because they he could have easily done a big, long five-minute speech about Chris and and talk like this. This song is from this tape and everything. Right. But they that that's not them. Like he, they don't make a big fuss about it. It's it's there for the people that get it, and it's it's meaningful to them, and they don't feel like they have to explain themselves. You know, it it you just it's just one of those things where you get how personal and how meaningful it is to them to to go back and pick that song and especially the title of the song Missing of course yeah. fits in perfectly so yeah I thought it's just a, a fantastic find for them a perfect thing for them to go back and do and I, I love the way the way, the way they worked it out and, and now we have it on the on the single you know yeah absolutely and I, I think um, I think that's it I think that's the last time that those songs ever appeared at a Pearl Jam show I think just leave that you know leave that in the past and they've done their tribute now and if they want to do something else for them in the future, that'd be great. But I, I think like these these two have to have their moments stick out from these years, this year at least. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right, old ninety stuff. Just like the Ridley Night Two show in 2016, they bust out Garden, then they bust out Not for You, and uh, Garden doesn't you know doesn't get played at the ballpark shows too much and uh it would have fit in with that 90 centric show and it sounds fantastic I, like i think garden is such an underrated live song as it is absolutely and yeah we talked about you know how awkward the start of this this show was like from break or fall up to to leaving here but this starting on present tense they really pick it up and this is like you said it this is where the show gets going this is mm-hmm. where and yeah to, to get a song like garden on this i thought it was great i i loved it after especially coming off of something super emotional missing to go back to an old song like this it's perfect yeah absolutely it just it reminds you of that era for sure and uh not for you modern girl tag a lot of a lot of other things going including a really nice transition in between the two songs uh garden not for you fantastic version of not for you a lot of call and response i believe we talked about that maybe it was the krakow show where they were doing it and we said we don't know when they've been doing it maybe it's it's just a 2018 thing where it just started yeah and not for you is strange because like you know, we did our we did our top twenty five songs, and you kind of thought that was going to be high up the list on mine. But yeah, not for you is one that I, I I don't feel like it needs like a lot of extra like I don't need the Joe Madden talk, and I don't need a lot of like call and response and not for you. Like I prefer the original angry, angsty, whatever you want to call it versions. Like this, it, I think it kind of loot this song especially. Like I don't mind it in, in a corduroy or in a. In a porch or anything like that at alive especially rocking in the free world but i think this song it, it loses something when they when they just kind of get too loose with it maybe i feel you on that yeah uh you're right it's supposed to be an angry song and you kind of you kind of need 
some of those songs to stay angry or else they all become this. They all just become happy poppy songs and, you know, like, what what else is, is going to elicit that emotion if it's not done for you? Like, that's the ultimate yeah. defining yeah. anger song. I, I can't think of what, maybe Blood. Like, what else has, has that much intensity to it? It would be it'd be interesting to cover it on an evolution episode. Like talk, like the modern girl thing is great. I, I'm not talking about that. I don't mind it at all. I think it adds something to the song. But this where it's it's just kind of become like like not for you shouldn't be like a I don't know what I don't know what the right word is. But it it shouldn't be like a hey everybody like pandering song during this like maybe yeah. But it I think it, it lost something. It, I, it kind of it kind of lost me about halfway through when he started talking over about the Cubs about it. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right on yeah. that. Just me, maybe. Yeah, it's 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 a fun listen. I I don't mind. Look, I I, I prefer the 1995 versions absolutely, but something a little different is nice. But yeah, they, some of these songs need to stay angry in the set. I, I will say that. And if it's not mm. not for you, what the hell is it? So uh, sure. it's. It's not Can't Deny Me because, like, that's an imitation anger song. Uh, it's a song that should be angry, but it's absolutely not. Um, and we can kind of comfortably say at this point that this song is is frozen in 2018. What do you think about that? Yeah, I tend to agree. <laughs> you know, we've talked about how they've how they've got all these new songs they're going to be excited to play. So the the common songs are going to get a little less common the the medium songs are going to get a little more rare and then the extra rare songs are going to get more rare and some songs are are going to get dropped into that once in a blue moon territory and this might be one of those you might you might get it one or two times maybe yeah i i would think that they're way more excited to play you know quick escape and whoever Mm -hmm. said in seven o'clock and and can't deny me is just it it fits in with more of the lightning bolt backspace era type stuff. And, uh, I, I feel like they've sort of some of those songs that, that have that same style to them are really going to lose their, their, their play time in, uh, 2021 or 2022, whenever it is. Is, is can't deny me a bottom 10 song for you? Close. Yeah. yeah. Close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I okay. can't really, think of other songs that wouldn't be at first i liked it and i still don't really hate it there's really not a pearl jam song that i absolutely hate like you know with all the vigor and anger in my in my body i i I just right i just don't but um yeah yeah that's fair to say it's probably bottom 10 Are, are we gonna are we gonna reveal that at some point or bottom 10 that's i I don't know if if people want us to but it, we we don't have to, but I just I just like bringing it up occasionally, you know, because it's we get we get so much of the the fawning and the these songs are amazing and I love this one and this one's up there, but you know I I think it's it's probably in mine too. It's it's not it's not in the bottom two or three, but it, it might it might crack the bottom ten. So it doesn't it's not next to Olay, right? It's, it's, Olay is Olay legi- is in a, a category legit, by its own. Yeah, that is a legit bad yeah. song. That is their worst song, one hundred percent. There's nothing that touches it. Agreed. Yeah. So, uh, wish list comes after we just covered this. We recorded on the same night this version on Bridge School that sounded so good, and this is like two minutes and it's done. It's barely wish list. Yeah, again, it it loses a lot. 
and from from not being in that in that 98 to 2003 range i think it's it's such a shame that it it didn't become one of those moment songs where like it became it's just not a special moment anymore yeah unfortunately not and um I feel like it fits the big ballpark atmosphere where they could do some stuff like McCready could have a really nice solo on it. And, you know, Ed sometimes does his, I wish I could be the president or I wish I could be, you know, and just goes on. But it really kind of cut short. It felt sort of just like a transition. Hey, we need something that can come off of Cantonime that'll get us to the next one and not sound too rough of a transition and at least it's that but this is this is the moment of the main set this is this is just as important as missing here and uh, we will get back to our forum in just a second but he wishes all of the chicago sports legends were still with us and mentions a couple of them by name like ernie banks and ron santo and stan makita and uh then he brings out a guitar that he's never used before and it was given to him by tom petty and he had a great time last summer when tom played there and as much as he was hurting on the last tour it meant so much to him that he was able to do it and uh Ed then asks the crowd to to get the the, the phones out and uh, pull out their lights on their phones and uh, send a message up to Tom, uh, tell him that we're thinking about him and and uh, try to get a spirit there. So, you know, this is man, this is this is an emotional moment, and I I felt it when they did it at Fenway that year, and uh, a couple of the guys that were there on the forum. Let's let's hear from them because they definitely have a great memory of this moment i was at the gorge shows and you know i can't remember which one it was but you know obviously yeah and there's so i mean distinctly remember eddie you know getting the whole you know amphitheater to heckle uh tom petty (laughs) so it's like you know i thought about that obviously and and everything so that's um that's why that that that's an aspect of the emotion that hit me yeah this is uh Second time for me, um, just as emotional as the first. Um, I was there with my sister. We, uh, growing up, we listened to a lot of classic rock. Um, she cried when she saw it, just like I cried when I saw it the first time in Seattle. Um, just a beautiful song, a cool rendition. Um, Ed with Tom's guitar and. Uh, sing along and, and it wasn't like you know sometimes sing-alongs are pandering it was more like uh, he was sharing the song with us um, just really beautiful we had all of our phones out as our lighters um, yeah this might be uh, no- number one moment I I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now it's so intense um, very very cool I'll never forget that yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, I can't really add much more to what you guys said. It was very good, very emotional. It was a great performance. It was very cool to just kind of look around and see. I know Randy called them the fireflies. It's just yes. super cool just to look around. And I just remember it being so bright that it, I mean, it did, obviously, I want to say it felt like the field lights or whatever, the house lights were on, but yeah. it was incredibly bright. It was way brighter than you would have, you could imagine generated uh light generated by cell phones would do and it was it was just a very very cool very um yeah very emotional uh moment it was yeah 
Yeah, you you can feel it because they did the you know that was one of the things that they did bring back at Fenway and and my wife was the same thing she she was she got emotional during it and you know and then it went into Just Breathe which is just like a whole that's a whole other you know ticket right there but uh, man like and it's it's also it's in this part of the set too where you're not expecting an emotional moment. You're expecting them. All right, let's let's get some let's get some quick ones out. They did can't deny me, you know. Like maybe let's do like a uh, a lightning bolt song or something like that, and then porch and get you to the break. But that I think I think maybe because of that, uh, it sticks out a little more that they didn't play it in the encore. Yeah, maybe um, not the best choice for making the set flow or by any means necessary let's make the best you know first set but uh yeah kind of jarring out of place um just very i mean what's more pearl jam than just you know doing exactly the opposite of what you always expect <laughs> exactly of Stand me up at the gates of hell, but I stand my ground and I won't back down. I will stand my ground, I won't be turned around, and I will keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground. special whenever they can do this song and and look i think tom petty's death is still kind of a shock to so many people i I still sort of think sometimes like really he's he can't be like i was actually watching the episode of the simpsons that he made an appearance on and and then like midway through uh his appearance i'm like wait a minute he's not around anymore that's and like automatically that it stunned me and I just I forgot it. He had so much life to him that you just you just kind of you forget sometimes and, and it's 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 really sad. It was a, it was a nice it was a nice moment to pay tribute to him like they were doing for most of this year and, and uh, you know just just great just great to get back. Oh yeah, absolutely. It would have been so special to be in the building and. To, for him to get everybody involved like that like normally that's kind of a cheesy thing that they do at like sporting events and stuff but yeah I thought this this was fantastic and yeah I mean uh, I, I think they just announced that they're finally working on the, the Wildflowers uh, uh, deluxe edition that they were working fantastic. on before, before he passed so yeah very excited to hear that it'll be, it'll be great to hear some uh, 
some new Tom Petty songs that, that we haven't heard before. But uh, yeah, just and a, a great version of the song. Like, I won't back down. I, I got to hear it in Jacksonville in 2016, and it was great then. But this is probably the version of the song to be to, to play it on Tom's guitar like that. It was just amazing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And look, he might not have done it at the Gorge, but I think I think Tom finally came down. Right. Oh, that's a good callback. Yeah, absolutely. That emotional moment gets you to end the set with Porch. And, uh, yeah, you kind of end with a little jolt of energy a little bit. And McCready always sounds great. And it's part of the show where Ed gets a couple extra swigs of wine and gets a little bit in- intimate with the audience. Yeah, it's and where can you go off of that huge emotional moment than just one, two, three, four and in the porch like or a porch you, they needed something like that. Well, yeah, they but they it's still you still get it, but they they needed that moment to to kind of let that wash over everyone and to, and to bring this bring this main set home. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Encore one starts off with Ed talking to the crowd a little bit and uh, mentions. Roberto Clemente, because the first ever game that he went to at Wrigley Field, he was in right field and saw Roberto Clemente make an amazing catch. And uh, I just want to, I just want to point something out. You know, everybody knows that he has that twenty-one shirt. That's that's Roberto Clemente's number, and that's the reason why he wears that shirt. That uh, that Lightning Bolt tour they started in Pittsburgh. They spent, I think, the whole week in Pittsburgh before playing it they did a bunch of sound checks and you know they 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 wanted to get it right and i think you know he he visited the roberto clemente museum and he and he got that shirt and uh you know i think it really he has a real attachment to it i I just want to real quick give a shout out to one of our patrons frank uh who was recently at the uh at the clemente museum and nice enough really really nice enough to to pick up a shirt for me and, and a couple of stickers. So I just wanted to shout him out. I know he's not doing too well right now. He's been a little bit sick. So, you know, if he's listening, hope you get better soon. And uh, again, really thank you for the very nice gesture that, you know, we don't ask for things like that, but you know, people, people like that are, are just fantastic. Got to love having them around. So thank you again, Frank. Um, and, you know, he mentioned some Chicago Hall of Famers here, talks about a woman named Laura who said is in the LGBTQ Hall of Fame and mentions that she met her wife at the last of the Wrigley shows at Got Us Into Just Breathe, which nice rendition with the bass and all. Yeah, great. And again, like it's a it's a perfect venue for a song like this. This this is a this is a ballpark song. You know, it's it can fit in anywhere and it fills up the room for sure. Like everyone sings along, everyone knows it. So, yeah, love it here. Yeah, I I agree. And I, it kind of it spreads throughout all everybody in the crowd. I, I think everybody can can find an attachment to it for sure. Uh so after Just Breathe though, tell me what you think about this. Rodman comes out and you know, they're not doing black, red, yellow. It's not like last time where it's fun and, and uh, you know, everybody loves Rodman. Rodman was very controversial in 2018. Yeah. Oh, you know, black, red, yellow guy was, was excited <laughs> to see it because he did say that they, oh, we'll play it later anyway. Key, you know? Right. But yeah, this was, this was weird. Like, why was he there? Like I, it just, and he kind of goes on and rambles a little bit and talks about, uh, I don't know if he expected how the fans to get, supported like, a big him about that he yeah that he did it was 
it was it was weird. Nobody really supported him. Like I don't know where he's coming from with that. Maybe maybe some certain people did, but I I don't remember him getting a lot of support for what he did. Yeah, it's just very strange. I don't understand why he was there and why they would do that at this point. If you're not going to play black, red, yellow, just let it just let let him be there and let him hang on the back. Like, I, I don't really understand yeah. what the point of this was. Yeah, I get that he's friends with Ed, and you know, I, I get that Ed is not one to, um, you know, get rid of friendships based off of of you know personal views. He was friends with Johnny Ramone, who was a, a, a huge Republican. And I, as we'll see later, there's a, there's another person that they bring up on stage here where, you know, again, differing views. But I, I get that. But it's just it left a sour taste for sure. Yeah, it kind of it kind of broke up the momentum of the show. Again, it kind of took me out of it. I was like, wait, what? Why? I, yeah, it was very, very weird. And I it. <laughs> It definitely disrupted the flow. Yeah, not only that, but Sleeping By Myself is like, it's not the most exciting song to get in this part of the set list. Right. Not my favorite song. I don't know if it's bottom 10. It might be. But that might be yeah, it based probably, off Probably of... not for me, but yeah, again, he talks about how, you know, a ukuleles might have never been played at, at Wrigley Field before, so that was kind of cool. But yeah, play play something else. You can't keep do right. soon forget to do something else sleeping by myself it's it doesn't really go anywhere it's just kind of a kind of a simple kind of song yeah especially you're gonna follow it up with three like 90s raw 90s songs that all, yeah right like it just sort of feels i don't know it, it kind of it, it's a lightweight and those are heavyweights you're right but those this stands out though footsteps State of Love and Trust, Breath, you're going back to songs they were writing in 1990 there. Oh, yeah. Great, great moment. And, you know, we, we talked about this. This this set is a little disjointed in, in some places, but anytime you get these three songs in a row, much less just stayed in Breath on their own back-to-back, it's it's 100% special. And it, this would have been a highlight for me if I had been there. Yeah, I, I love the singles back-to-back songs. It, it just it brings you back to that era. And, you know, those two songs will forever be linked to one another. Um, and, you know, Footsteps sounding again, it kind of brings you back to that version that you heard at night two. That was your first holy shit moment that you mentioned. Yeah, right. It has yeah. that same kind of vibe, a dark setting, harmonica reverberating, Mike Solo echoing into the darkness, like... It's not as ominous as the 2016 version, but you definitely get those similar kind of vibes. Definitely. And that, that was kind of a holy shit moment again, because it was, you know, song number two, but yeah, this is, this is great. I mean, what else can you say about footsteps, state of love and trust and breath back to back to back? Like you'll take that at every show anytime. I mean, breath is the perfect encore song for any ballpark show. I, I, do that at every ballpark and that'll just bring the crowd to an absolute frenzy. Like that's, that's the kind of song you need to get everybody like get the energy in the room and get it back together. You know? Absolutely. Uh, they talk about boom here and, and they mention 
no matter the size of anything, the size of your hands, we're all the same on election day. And don't think for a second that your vote doesn't count. Everybody voting is one thing you can do, get, do to get what you want. And there's only one band to transition into after that. That's the Clash. There's a public service announcement. clash here like yes i love this cover this is this is one of the covers that i'm all right with you know uh maybe leaving here was was not meant for this set list but this is pretty cool i i'll take i'll take this every other show oh yeah and i i gotta think it's you know with with the lyrics saying what they do you know i gotta think it's gonna come back at this next tour at least a couple of times i would hope so yeah and look that whole speech it, it is always relevant. It is not just relevant to 2020. It's relevant to 2021 when you got local elections going on. 2022 when you're going to have, you know, state senates and and uh, and Congress uh, going for elections. So it's always going to be relevant. Always think about it. There's always an election every year. We should have a federal holiday for it, but we don't. But hopefully that can change if something does change in the future. So just keep that in mind. And again, a, a great version. Like they're so good at picking these covers. Like, yeah, they could have easily done Rock the Cast Bar, Should I Stay or Should I Go, or London Calling, which they've done a couple of times. But Know Your Rights is is a is a clash deep cut, and that's just like them to pick. Well, they'll get to another artist in a little bit where they don't get to a deep cut of that artist. So that's yeah. that's might be a little payback for that. So uh, after that, after the clash, you get Evolution, great version of Evolution. You always get the good crowd response. Nothing, nothing too crazy with that, but you do get another callback to the very, very early '90s with "Alone," and that's a special moment right there. Oh, always, always for the serious collector, and yeah, a nice surprise here in the, in this encore to get. I mean, I thought it would have fit in nicely in that footstep, state and breath. Just keep it going with "Alone" right there. Yeah, but, sure. Um, but yeah, "Alone's" always, always great whenever, whenever you get it. Shout out to Aurelian. That's his, that's his favorite song. But it is. I yeah I think and this is a great version that actually does the little the little vocal thing at the end. Uh, oh, that's my favorite part. Yeah, it's oh I, yeah I love this I love this version of Alone and this is this is how it should be. I, this was a great surprise in the song core. Really tied the whole thing back together. Yeah, absolutely. And that ending again, my favorite part in the song. Sometimes in the earlier performance of this, they didn't bring it all together with that, and they just kind of end just you know just as the song ends but i think you need this in there to just just pull the whole song together it just feels awesome and it transitions so well in the river mirror to end the set and pretty atmospheric sounding bridge 
heavy, plucky bass line. Stone and Mike are kind of playing that open-air hammer-ons that sound really good, and it's just another amazing version of another excellent song that's probably going to be our next Evolution episode. I didn't know <laughs> if we were going to reveal it today, but that yeah. might be a hint. hint. It, it, you know, it's hard when this went against two other Versus songs and a no-code song. It, this was really the top in its category right there. Yeah, I mean, ho-hum, ho-hum, another fantastic version of Rivermere. I mean, what can you say? They they hit it out of the park every time. Yeah, get ready to listen to 300 versions of Rivermere and try to try to find one bad one of the bunch because it ain't happening. So we'll have, we'll have fun with that Evolution episode over on Patreon when we get to it. But uh, that takes us into the second encore. And, of course, Ed wants to start it off by talking about the Cubs and, and thank somebody that's been very generous to him and, and the band and said that he kept he put himself on the line uh, to keep the show going in, in 2013 because of the rain and got in touch with uh, the Chicago mayor and made sure that they were able to play till 2 a.m., which I'm sure he was pivotal in the following night in keeping that show going or, or, or getting them to start at all. Uh, and Tom Ricketts, the owner of the Cubs, comes out with the World Series trophy. And again, it's it's another. It just doesn't feel right. It you know the World Series trophy there is nice and all, and it's a good little tie into the couple other shows. 2013, the Cubs are still an up and coming you know team underachieving team 2016 is going to be the year they they win it all and 2018 kind of brings it all together and brings out the trophy but again tom ricketts you know i think we talked about it in that in that forum a little bit that he put out so many pro-trump uh commercials during the world series in 2016 that it's it's hard it's hard to really get excited about an appearance from him I, i you know it's and especially their connection. I know it's the Cubs and I know Ed will drop politics to be friends with anybody, but I don't know. It's it's something just doesn't sit right with me and maybe it's just me and my politics, but who knows? Yeah. It's another one that kind of took me out of it. It's like, Oh, we're doing this. And I get it was, you know, it's supposed to be the victory lap because they didn't get to play in 2016 and the shows in 2016, the season wasn't over yet. They didn't get to play in 2017, so this was supposed to be kind of the the victory tour. Like, hey, we're going to celebrate, you know, together. But you got to think a lot of people who go to these shows come from out of town. Like, a lot of people travel. It's not 100%, you know, Cubs fans in that building. I mean, I know this is this, – I just think of this as just a moment for Ed. Like, let him have his moment. Let yeah. him – bask in it and let him have his thing and then then we'll get back to it and it just yeah again it kind of took me out of it i was like oh okay i guess we're doing this now you don't want to comment at all about ricketts yeah i, I agree you know i okay be, my my politics shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that listens to the show no no and, and you know what it's so what <laughs> so we don't agree with that side and and not everybody is going to agree with everybody so um and sometimes we bring it up and you know, just in case that is, those are not things that you're interested in us talking about. Maybe you won't want to listen to us in October. Just a little hint, hint there. We might get a little bit political when uh, things start getting really heavy into politics in, in October. So, if if you're not into that, we we understand and respect that. But just know that stuff like that is probably on the horizon. So, uh, they play 
The 25th man, David Bowie, they play his walk-off Grand Slam over the Videotron, which leads to uh, a David Bowie cover. Bowie, Bowie, get it? It's his at-bat music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebel Rebel, which is, it's not a deep cut of Bowie's. It's it's a hit. It's one that everybody knows. And it's an OTOTO, but, and I, I love the song, but it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of sloppy and it's just kind of there and doesn't feel like they took it too seriously which could be good and again it's also like not not great in that aspect yeah it seems like they you know they went shopping at classic rock r us and this is what this is what they ended up with like you know surrender from from the 2016 shows it fits in that same spot where it's like oh okay sure you know the, the Aerosmith stuff from from Fenway right. fits in kind of the same thing it's like it's just like this is not this is not who you are you know because you they're they're not that kind of band you know they're not they're not like a classic rock covers band you know that we talked That's... we just talked about it with their they're so good at pulling out those deep cuts and mm-hmm. we can go on and on driven to tears throw your arms around me uh, you know we could go back and forth and pick out 15 or 20 that they do but this this is not that it, it's just kind of like eh, it's sure I mean and again they love the Bowie version love David Bowie nothing bad to say about him amazing artist one of the greatest of all time but this is this is just not who they are. Do you know if they've done a Bowie song before? Is this the first time they had ever co- covered Bowie? I think no they had they had tagged it. There have been a few tagged. I think they've done Golden Years okay a couple of times on Daughter, but I don't think they'd ever done a full Bowie song. Okay. So, I mean, they've pretty much done every popular band that there is and popular artists, so to get Bowie in there, and I know that Bowie's a huge, uh, you know, Stone is a huge Bowie guy, so I'm sure he's excited to do this. At least it gets them to just kind of check that off of their list, but again, I don't think anybody would be that disappointed if they didn't do it. Right. Um, all right, we're ending the set with a little bit of bread and butter. Before the bread and butter, you get Better Man, which is always the special and powerful moment. In 2016, in the spot that was really early in the set, another holy shit moment that you had. Uh, you know, it had, you know, this is more conventional, and it gets a great sing along, and uh, this is this is where you expect it, and, and it fits. Yeah, I mean, you've you've at this point, you've you've got to send these people home happy, yeah. and. These last four songs is absolutely that. It's absolutely the, you know, thanks for sticking with us. You know, you made it through this night. It's it's late. We we're not, we're gonna send you home happy. Absolutely, yeah. We talk about it all the time. Alive, rocking in the free world, yellow lead better. That is your bread and butter. The one thing I will say, lead better is usually a night two song. This is usually the song that closes out the whole experience. So it's kind of interesting that they chose to use it on night one instead. Yeah, maybe maybe they they knew the the there were some like a little bit of weirder stuff in the set list. We talked about Breaker Fall and Leaving Here in the Middle, Missing, which a lot of people probably didn't know. Uh, can't deny me, Sleeping by Myself. Maybe they know your rights. Like that, maybe they felt like this the show needed it. That's yeah, you you might be possibly right, and I think yeah. they closed yeah. the next night with Baba. So that's you know they still have good stuff in their arsenal, but. 
I think we're burying the lead because really the most important thing that happened in the last couple songs in the encore, maybe to most people in this whole entire show in general, is during Rockin' in the Free World, where you got, you know, Fanny McFan over there, whoever Cubs fan, decides to take a little stroll onto the field because why the hell not? It's a good night to get arrested. When is it not? Uh, and... He starts. He, he starts on third and takes a a running, uh, you know, a, a running head start towards home and slides into home plate before security gets their hands on him and he is out the door. So we go back for the last time to our Wrigley Forum and uh, and see what their experience remembering watching this guy do probably either the most amazing or idiotic thing that's ever been done in Wrigley Field. <laughs> I probably had as good of a visual as anybody in the stadium. We were in uh, 200 seats between uh, third and home, probably slightly closer to home. Uh, Saw it the whole way. Um, Saw, like, it felt like it was in slow motion. And all the security coming to grab him. It's just, what a glorious moment. Um, I, my 10 club seats... Um, leading up to this show weren't they weren't good enough to get me on the floor and I wanted to be on the floor so bad and they changed Wrigley Field during the updates where the bullpen went from like on the sides of the field like in the outfield to uh, like behind right field and left field right so it's quite a bit safer normally are for Right. So in 13 and 16, I was like, I hope my uh, reserve seats are good enough to get on the floor and I want to take a picture on the bullpen phone. Okay. And like, that was what I thought would be the coolest, most smart ass thing in the world. And like, if I got thrown out for doing it, so be it, you know, like I freaking took a call on the bullpen phone. Well, (laughs) I saw a ton of people doing it in 13, 16, like eventually they told people to quit. (laughs) They renovated the stadium and then it was gone by the time I could have done it when Mm. at GA in 18. So this guy was living my dream and he certainly had a different version of his bullpen phone for stealing (laughs) film, but um, I doubt the night in jail to him and missing, you know, whatever the end of the show was would uh, he has any regrets. I'm rooting for you stolen home at Pearl Jam show guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't see it. I had um, um, in my experience, I had different seats for, uh, or like I should say different sections for each of the, the years in 2013. Um, I got, well, I actually, my friend is the one who got the, the we both tried for the lottery. Um, and we said, like, he, he said, one of us should try for GA. One of us should try for seats. Um, you know, if we both get them, we'll figure them out or whatever. And he won the lottery. I did not. So we were lucky enough to get GA. And um, then in 2016, I was in like the lower bowl up on the third baseline, like both, both nights. And then both nights in 18, I was on the field in seats, um, not the GA, but in the seats. But because of where I was at in the seats, I couldn't see what was going on. I hear a commotion, but you know, I, I didn't know what had happened until afterwards. So. Ryan, were you on the field? Where were you uh, it's funny because it's like the I, I'm just now remembering this that since you brought it up, and yeah, it was like behind home plate, 
uh, in the field. So it's like way in the back, not like way, way in the back, but it's, it's coming back to me now, but not enough to make any sort of comment on it. Um, so that's kind of my, my feeling. Well, I mean, the guy has a moment and the crowd roars and I think everybody picked up on it pretty quickly and they were all cheering him on. Uh, and he kind of became a, a folk hero for <laughs> yeah, the band, it. as big of an idiot as he was. A, a big baby face pop. <laughs> and absolute heel heat for the security. <laughs> by God! By God! Is that... Who's that running out of the field? By God! <laughs> it's Pro Jam Superfan, King. <laughs> security! Security! My God! There's a Simpsons moment. Did Homer do that at one point? And he has a picture of it. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's it one of those like he framed on the wall, and it said "Idiot Ruins World Series" or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's it's one of those moments where early in in the season he said, "This is my lifelong dream," and March says, right. "You had your lifelong dream, and that was to run out onto the field in the baseball game." <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And then it cuts to the newspaper. Yeah. Idiot ruins game or something like that. Yep. I think that might have been when uh, Homer uh, wanted to own the Dallas Cowboys and then was given the Denver Broncos, which I thought at the time was hilarious because the Denver Broncos won the fucking Super Bowl that year. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you just don't understand football, Marge. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, look, I, that guy had a moment everybody's going to remember it. It's sort of a folklore, folk legend thing now. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. And I I don't condone that behavior ever. I I hate when fans run onto the field during baseball games. I think it's, it's extremely disrespectful and uh, you know, it just makes them look like jackasses. And then from their perspective, they get kicked out for life. So is it really worth it to do that? What, What do you get from that? nothing yeah like, i mean yeah they don't, don't even make show it about it on you TV. it's 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 not about you you know and i get that you know this guy's probably a huge fan he's like when in my life am i ever gonna have a moment like this to to do this you know never so i'm just gonna go for it and there were you know there was copious amounts of alcohol involved but uh, yeah 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 don't don't be that guy don't don't make it all about you you know everybody's in this together everybody's everybody's supporting each other it's it's a, it's a crowd moment you know no one, no one wants you to be the one that that ruins that for everybody. So, yeah, definitely. You know, I, there's no way in a million years that I would ever do something like this. But, uh, yeah, just just stay. It's just do your thing. Just stay in the crowd. You're all in together. Don't make it all about you. And that would have sucked if he had night two tickets because he, there's no way he would have went. He That's right. Would absolutely yeah. be kicked out. And you know, for his friends to that had a ticket with him, like, you know, then they have to deal with him. And, and yeah, that, that look, it just makes right. everything. But you never think miserable. about that in the moment. You're just like, I'm just going to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's selfish and we get it. You know, everybody wants their moment to shine, but sometimes you just gotta, you know, you just gotta let, let things happen and just be a part of the grand scheme instead of a part of the spotlight, you know, yeah, the band you is there it, to selfish. do that. That's the perfect word to describe it. Selfish. Absolutely. Absolutely. The band the band is there to be the spotlight. You, you don't need to be part of that. So, um, all right. Top three moments from the show. What do you got? Oh, you know, this was tough. I mean, you, you, you brought it up a couple of times in that night two 2016 show where I had eight holy shit moments, you know, yeah. all throughout the show. Like the show just didn't have that. 
for me. Like it, it, it was missing that. It was there was there was something missing from it. No pun intended. But my uh, my number one. Uh, actually, I'll start with number three. My number three moment is alone. Uh, to get a, a rare song like that near the end, I thought it was great. Again, like you said, a great tie-in with Drew Mirror. I thought it transitioned really nicely. And Love, Love Alone, uh, the, getting the getting the end little vocal part there was was great. They don't normally do that anymore. So uh, that's number three. And then I'm gonna. I mean, how can it not be these big two? I'm gonna say Missing number two. Talked about the way they they didn't really make a big fuss about it. Just just play the song and made it their thing, and that that was their tribute. Uh, and then number one, How can it not be? won't back down tom petty we talked about it the number one moment from this show yeah uh that's always going to be remembered when going back on this show and and just him using that cherry red guitar and and thing of beauty and just knowing that uh you know every everybody is is just in tears in that crowd yeah that that is absolutely the number one moment for the show but yeah my other two were the same. Um, I really liked Alone from the show, and uh, Missing is incredible too. You can't, you can't not have Missing, and uh, and I won't back down in your top two or top three. Uh, but I'll play, you know, Devil's Advocate or just you know another voice of another opinion, and I'll instead of Alone, I'll put my number three as Present Tense because at least for Present Tense's sake, like it felt like this is really where the show found its identity. And, and if I were there, I, I would have sort of kicked into the groove once, uh, once present tense hit. So um, reading, this will be a little bit difficult. I want you to go first. I don't think it will <laughs> impact my decision, but I, I am curious as to where you place this. Yeah. Yeah. This was tough because it's, it's such a hallowed ground Wrigley field it's it's such a special magical place like every all our guests have talked about it but this one just was was lacking in those moments for me so i'm going to give it a 7 yeah i look i think there were i think there were just some just ugly things from the get go that they got over and ultimately when i think of this show i won't think of you know, break or fall, that didn't sound like break or fall, or leaving here, that didn't sound like leaving here. I'm going to think of Tom Petty. I'm going to think of the World Series trophy being brought out. And unfortunately, I'm going to think about that selfish idiot that made an ass out of himself. It's just the nature of the beast. But there's, yeah, you know, you get garden and you get a stretch of footsteps, breath, and state of love and trust, which is really cool. But there's some things that are just kind of ho-hum, sleeping by myself, this version of Wishlist isn't great, and Can't Deny Me Appearing Anywhere is not really my cup of tea. Um, so I think I'm going to give it a 6.5. I'm going to give it a 6.5. I, I did really like the things that that worked for the show, like Corduroy, Present Tense, the beginning with Wash, and Elderly Woman are fantastic versions. Um, but some of the stuff just didn't really stick as well. So six and a half, unfortunately, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's fair. Yeah. It's a low, it's a low score for a ballpark show, but you kind of have to tell it as it is sometimes. Uh, yeah, we were closer than I thought we would be on this one. Yeah. I, I, it just didn't really stick with me. And I, I, I knew, I knew that once you got out of 2016 that, you know, the, uh, the sort of the hype died down a little bit. And like, like you said earlier, they had a lot to try and build off of to make this show stand out. 
among the other three. And it might have been a far-fetched scenario where they couldn't reach that. So let's see if we get to that in night two next week. I think night two is better than night one, but there are some moments and some aspects of the show that make it a little bit uncomfortable to to listen to, and and it'll be interesting to to dissect that too. Yeah, that that'll be interesting. We are finally going to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, that's the tenth of of ten episodes this month. We've been doing a lot of very hard work, and again, we just thank everybody that's written into us and a lot of new people that have jumped in. Uh, noticing that we've been doing Wrigley shows because a lot of people have, have gone to these shows and, and cherish them as, as major moments. And uh, we really appreciate all the new people joining in um, and, and getting into it because these, these shows have really meant a lot to us. So it's going to be, it's going to be disappointing to let them go and go into August with more great shows. We got a great August schedule set up, but nothing's really going to top Wrigley it, it's you know outside of maybe the edge episode that we had in january like these are some of our best episodes that we'll have this year i think yeah i agree it's been a lot of fun yeah so once again if you want to write into us for our wrigley fan mail episode that's going to be airing next tuesday that'll be out on you know spotify and apple and all those places by the way if you haven't rated us on apple podcast go ahead and rate us Go ahead and give us five stars if you're digging the show. We are open to criticism as well, but if if you like us, why not give us five stars? So we don't we haven't been asking for ratings a lot lately, so might as well might as well see if you guys uh, are interested in, in helping us out. And it does help us out. It it gives us better visibility if our numbers are better. So if you like the show, head head over, help us out. And uh, if you're not a patron and want to be a part of that, head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. More stuff every week. There's just more and more. And I'm sure there will be Wrigley content that we left off of the Rob Bleat scene episode that we'll share on an extra episode in the next week or so. And uh, yeah, there'll, there'll be more to come, like evolution episodes and bridge school episodes, as always. So, um, all right. This is heading into the final week of Wrigley. It's been real, but it's not over yet. We're going to fly the W one last time, as they say in Chicago. So this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. For John and Randy, and thank you to our guests on the fan forum, uh, Curtis, Bradley, and Ryan. And we'll talk to them next week as well and get their takes on night two, Wrigley 2018, as this whole great month comes to a close. Know your rights.
That is one man as he can remember Tries to forget but he can't, can't Out of bed and he dreams in the shower She's standing naked in a bar just here He reaches for and the water turns a red God Woken up to be burned, burned again 